What is up, Facebook? Welcome back to another episode, the second ep episode of Let Fans Talk with Jay Stevens. Today, I am joined by my friend, my good buddy, Jeff Hunt. As you guys always know, I am the host of the Jay Stevens podcast, host of Locked on Buckeyes, also the Full Press Colts podcast. And behind me, I had to change things up tonight here on the show because Jeff is an Ohio State Buckeye fan. I got the hat on. But I had to bring in a special background for today's guest. Jeff and I have done a lot of work previously. And as soon as I hit Jeff up and said, hey, Jeff, I got a show. You want to come on? He was down from the moment he read the first word. Jeff Hunt, my man, how are you doing? I'm doing great, man. First of all, uh, your your background there really makes me miss the shoe. Like uh, that's a that's a special place for uh, me and my family, you know, to go and enjoy. So yeah, I really missed that this year. So that that, uh, that there's just nothing quite like uh, me and a hundred thousand other crazy people <laughs> watching the Buckeyes on a Saturday. So I appreciate you doing that for me. Yeah, man, no problem, man. I found a background. I found a clean one. You got the got the Ohio behind us. Um, hoping, hoping at some point throughout the season we do get a full stadium so that people like us can go <laughs> yeah. to games and act a fool. Man, have, that's what I'm plans. waiting for. We had big plans, man. We were going to do a remote show and everything, kind of. But that's all right, because I and I enjoy coming to your city too and watching my Buckeyes play. Like it's been a pretty good run we've had there too. So. Uh, I hope to get back there this year, too, and watch a game. I know you're a big football guy, but, Jeff, the NCAA tournament and Big Ten Conference tournament for basketball starting up very, very soon. I mean, if you make the trip, we may gotta, we have to find some time to, like, hang out, man. I mean, they're opening things up here in Indianapolis. I mean, it's time for possibly – a football guy to come to a basketball state to watch some Buckeye basketball. I'm just saying. I would absolutely do that. We, uh, you know, we, uh, the Buckeyes look pretty good this year on the basketball side of it. I'm pretty excited about it. Indianapolis is a great town to, to visit. Uh, Market Square Arena was a, had a really good time you know, watching a couple games there over the years. So that is not out of the realm of possibility, my friend. <laughs> Just got to throw it out there, Jeff. So, Jeff, if you could let people know, before we get to talking about your Buckeyes, let people know where they can connect with you via social media, then also a lot of the shows you are doing as well. Uh, okay, yeah, I appreciate it, man. I've got, yeah, I got a lot going on. Um, you know, I'm part of the Off the Ball Sports Network that we started, you know, last summer. Things are going really well. Uh, we do a lot of great articles there. I encourage people to go there and check out all the guys' work. I can't get into it, but you've been a big friend of the, you know, the network, and you've helped us out, and you've had a lot of us on your show. We love having you on our shows. It's been great. I do Jeff Needs Sports, and it's just a hodgepodge of, like, you know, things you love about sports. I do a special Buckeye uh, podcast episode throughout the year, which was really fun, called the Buckeye Remix, and that's where I let myself be a fan, uh, slightly more than an analyst. I mean, I, I don't, uh, I don't sugarcoat it, but I also enjoy the games and everything, so I do that. Jay helps me out with that a lot. Uh, you guys would be surprised how many ideas we bounce off each other throughout the year, and then I do that. Jeff needs help too, if anybody likes. You know, uh, comic books or just general information or stuff like that. So yeah, it's been a, it's been a pretty busy winter. When football season calms down, I get to uh, you know uh, be more a little more a little more well rounded. You know what I mean, and focus on some other things. But uh, but Buckeyes are my passion, and a Buckeye remix was probably the favorite show I did this year for sure. 
it was fun, man. Looking up every single week, seeing you and different guests you would have on. I think Stephen Gillespie. I think Stephen was on that show. I know you had a young lady. Mo Lucy. was definitely on. Yeah. Um, I know Mo was on there. And I mean, you guys just do a phenomenal job. You do a phenomenal job um, with the show, with just staying up with Ohio State. I know you try to be a fan on the show, but you do do a good job of analyzing the Buckeyes play as well. And that's kind of how I am in real life. Um, I don't uh, – because I don't think you get better by always making excuses or by sugarcoating it or by coddling. Uh, you know, when you're a Buckeyes fan, it's a – it's a little different animal like you're expected to be a top five team every year so you there's there is no excuses uh, you know it's it's a blessing and a curse but every loss is the end of the world um you know I'm lucky enough that I can actually remember most of you know the recent losses because it's like one a year so it's uh you know we're spoiled we're spoiled but I uh but um I also I think you got to keep the expectations high because that's the level that you want to be at We'll get to the downside or maybe uh, the somewhat bad moments that are there with Ohio State. There's very few, Jeff. Very, very few I, I, bad I know. moments. That's, that's the problem. You can remember most of them. <laughs> <laughs> but let's go back to you. When you were maybe a youngster, maybe in high school, maybe you were early 20s, when you first became a fan of Ohio State Buckeye football, when was that moment? What comes to your mind? I see the smile on your face. What kind of do you think about what you think about when you first became a fan? What took place? And then how did the team and the stadium kind of win you over? Well, th that that's a tough one for me because, you know, I'm, I'm born right here in central Ohio. I don't like I absolutely don't have a memory of like not being a Buckeye fan. Like from the day you're born, you're a Buckeye fan. Like uh, I, I, we honestly have like our baby blankets, our Buckeyes blankets. Uh, our 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 rooms are decorated, you know, in in Buckeyes. I mean, that's just how it is when you're when you're a kid in Ohio, this part of Ohio. But um, yeah, I can remember some of the early years. Um, probably like my so like my first like some of my first uh, like Chris Spielman. There's a memory that like, mm -hmm. you know, he played in the, you know, the middle eighties and that's right when I was like probably about 10, 10, 11 years old. And that's when I could start putting together like what I was seeing rather than just like Buckeyes are on. I know I love them. Uh, that's when I could start recognizing talent. And so that was pretty awesome. Uh, I can remember Earl Bruce's last game. That was a, you know, that was a big game. Uh, they carried him off the field and all that, even though, but then the, the moment that we waited for my entire life up to that point was – so it would have been 2001 when uh, Craig Krenzel – nobody knew who Craig Krenzel was. Famously, Steve Belisari got a DUI. Sorry, Steve, but this is what happened. Steve, Steve Belisari gets a DUI, gets suspended. Uh, <laughs> a sophomore quarterback that nobody's ever heard of out of Michigan uh, starts, and we're like, oh, here we go. It's, you know, it's, the, it's Thanksgiving weekend. Everybody does, you know, the game. And Craig Krenzel beats Michigan. And it was Jim Trestle's first game, at, you know, first game versus Michigan. And that's when, like, something happened that we all knew, like, okay, this could be special. Like, uh, you know, we had come off for younger, you know, for younger viewers, younger listeners, younger Buckeye fans, they don't remember. It was a rough 12 to 13 years, you know, the John Cooper years. And even up until that, when I was a kid, like, I didn't I didn't grow up thinking we could beat Michigan. I know that's hard to believe for a young guy like yourself now, but that was the truth. And that game, there was something special about that. And then we all know the you know, the rest is history. The last 20 years have just been amazing. So like I've always loved the Buckeyes, but that's when I I guess I believed in them. <laughs> Does that if that makes any sense? Mm -hmm. So the John Cooper era, I was not a fan during that time period. Actually, I think the first year I can remember watching Ohio State Buckeye football 
was the 02 year when they won the Fiesta Bowl, won the national championship over you. Miami. So I don't understand John Cooper. One of my friends who I connected with via Twitter, they talked about, hey, we're not going back to the Cooper era. Well, to me, that's nothing. I, I, I would have to be a historian to go right. back and see what the John Cooper era was like. Please, in your own words. And I don't. Okay. I'll say there are kids watching, but um, <laughs> make sure, keep it delicate. But um, I've heard it's been, it was pretty harsh. It was pretty bad. It was, what, was, what was that era like? It, well, here's what it was, Jay. It was constant disappointment. So on the upside was we finally, like, it didn't take John long, and the teams became really good. Like, mm -hmm. the talent started coming, you know, coming back in, uh, you know, especially the skill positions, like, you know, guys like, I think, of Joey Galloway, um, you know, uh, Terry Glenn started coming through about then. The teams were awesome. Eddie George came through, through the Cooper years. I mean, and then it became – the story of the John Cooper error is great teams that were disappointments. And I hate to say that word, but it was really disappointing because we would have the best team that we've ever seen all year as a high state fans. Like I remember the 95 team, unbelievable. And then they would run into Michigan and then Michigan would not only would they beat them, they would trounce them. It, it, it was like a lot of times it was really embarrassing uh, I hate to say that, like, about, about kids, but at, at that point, I was as young as the kids, you know. And so it was like – and then looking back, if you look at the records, like, they were losing two games, and they, they would go to, you know, a big bowl game. They might lose. And then it was also this time that we were losing – it felt like we lost the Citrus Bowl. I, I, and I honestly think it was, like, four in a row or something like that. Uh, you know, we lost to Georgia. We lost to Alabama in one. We lost to South Carolina twice. Jim Trussell was one of those. Uh, full disclosure, but um, it was just like we were the next level down, and I don't. I, I guess a team like that now might be. Um, I mean, I don't even know who's like, you know, knocking on the door right now that just can't. Maybe in Oregon, maybe in Oregon, to where you're like, oh, they're great, and then they just they can't get over the hump, and now they've got a little bit of a bad name because it's been ten years of not winning the big one. Uh, so it was just like constant NFL players coming through, but yet. You know, just not beating Michigan. And, um, you know, if anybody's – if they don't understand by now all the hype, it really does mean more than anybody can possibly imagine mm -hmm. to an Ohio State fan beating that team. So it was just uh, – yeah, it was just constant letdown, constant disappointment. And then, um, yeah, Jim Trestle, like he's near and dear to my heart. Uh, like I say, once again, from it, – it, it just changed everything. It changed the way we see. And then it's just – now it's out. Of, now it's off. You know, off the charts. <laughs> you know, we feel like I feel like I've landed on the moon now. I got to be honest with you. In the last <laughs> 10, 20 years, help me out. Was Lloyd was Lloyd Carr the coach at back at that time? Yes, uh, Jim Trestle retired Lloyd Carr. So Lloyd Carr won probably. I bet Lloyd Carr won. I'll, I'll say maybe five, five in a row, and then Trestle came in, and then that's when it started sliding, and that's really what got Lloyd Carr fired. Lloyd Carr fired. Sorry, Lloyd. Um, he was a really good coach, and you know it looked like his run was never going to end, and then it just changed, and then they recognized right away, like whoa, and that's when it started getting like that's when like Troy Smith came in, and like okay, this looks a little different, mm -hmm. you know, uh, Ted Ginn and Troy Smith and that team, like when they rolled through there, that was right after Carr, I believe, or no, that was I, I no Carr was the coach for the the big game in two thousand six, that's true, um, and then uh, they just couldn't keep up anymore, and and the programs have just don't different paths ever since but yeah absolutely i watched a lot of uh lloyd carr gary gary moeller um yeah yeah i, I mean i watched bush and beckler coach jay 
Like I, I, I remember watching like and despising Bo Schembechler. Like I go back that far. A little bit further than me. You didn't mention one guy. Most people watching this will say, "Oh, he's an analyst now. He works for ESPN." But you got to watch Herb Street call the shots as a quarterback. Come on, man. Was he really that? I know that he he heard like I think I heard him say in an interview. It was either high. I think it was high school. They ran the triple option. I said, Kurt, like I've seen some of your like highlights. If they're highlights, you're not a triple option style quarterback. No, he was you. I can tell by your reaction when you watched him play. It wasn't that hot. Well, here's the thing. It was another one of those things like we were just on this run of and it's hard to believe now talking about Ohio State because we have been we have been blessed with quarterbacks for like we're up eight, nine years now of really, really good college quarterbacks, regardless of what anybody wants to say about them going to the NFL. We've been on a run. I mean, there's very few. I mean, JT Barrett, for example, set every record you can set in the Big Ten. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't care if he's not the next Drew Brees. He was great. Um, we were just on this run of quarterbacks that were just like they could just never get us over the hump. Like every, like we always just needed that one touchdown. And Bobby Hoyne, there, there, I tell you what, you want to there talk you about go. a guy that's nobody talks about. Bobby Hoyne was amazing. That dude still like. You know, his records hold up, and we're talking 20-some years later to where the offenses are totally different, and he still holds some quarterback records at Ohio State. He was a terrific player. Um, <laughs> yeah, Hershey was just – he was just another dude. Like, um, I, it, me and him have our differences now, but uh, <laughs> he was he was just another dude at quarterback. But I, but I rooted for him. I never I never rooted against a player. Uh, Stanley Jackson was a guy that came okay. through. Uh, him and Joe Germain. Joe Germain had a terrific season in 97 for Ohio State, or 98. Uh, won the 97 Rose Bowl and then had the 98 season. And uh, a lot of people really thought he was the next, you know, NFL quarterback for Ohio State. And, you know, it didn't happen. There 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 is an issue there, but people can say what they want, but, like, I'll still take him in college. You know, Joe Germain was terrific. But, man, there was – and then uh, we had some – we had the Belisari years. Belisari was a converted free safety. Try to imagine the time where Ohio State had to resort to a uh, converted free safety to play quarterback because they were just out of options. That's that's where we were at in the early 2000s, late 90s. It, I, I still can't believe it. Um, and Bowserman even got a shot after that, uh, after the national championship. So – it's uh, it's different now. Now we're now we're worried about guys transferring. Like mm -hmm. we're Joe Burrow has to leave because he can't play at Ohio State. Like Heisman winning quarterbacks, number one pick in the NFL draft, has to leave because of the competition. And we had a free safety plan in two thousand. That's how that's how things have changed in twenty years. I want to take a timeout right now, Jeff. We're still live. I just got a timeout <laughs> and pause on like the Ohio State stuff. You made a comment, and I didn't write this down. My, my mind is working very well. You made a comment saying that you and Herbie, Kirk Herbstreet, have some differences right now. Please explain what those are. So, okay. So, I, I mean, it's an ongoing thing with me and Herbstreet. <laughs> so, I, I, it's not an Ohio State thing. Now, first okay. of all, the, the biggest thing that ever happened was, um, you know, if anybody remembers in, oh, so it would have been, oh, oh, nine, oh, ten, right there. That was the Terrell Pryor, the tattoos. Yeah, 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 tattoos. Sugar, when all that happened, um, the 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 what what really started it because I'm defensive about Ohio State is Herb Street really went in on the program like he jumped you know he was all over Trestle he was all over Pryor for all that um, you know just just he was really hard on the kids during that and I understand that's his job but I but I have the right to disagree with him so that kind of started it well now the biggest thing I have is you know I don't know like if when you watch his games if you listen to the commentary or not but it's almost from like Whatever game he's commentating, 
the rest of that game is just him building up either the playoffs or the next game. Um, it, he really seems like I'm an old school guy. Like I'm a Keith Jackson guy. You know, uh, let's talk about the game. Let's talk about the one we're watching. Let's uh, let's make it the biggest thing that happened that week. And it feels like Herb Street's always always got an agenda. Like it's always the next game. And I understand that's his job at ESPN. I am not saying that he doesn't do his job properly. I don't like it. So now it's just it's just snowballed into this uh, <laughs> vendetta I have against Herb Street. I respect his career and everything he's done. I don't think he's like a fraud or anything like that but it's just like it is really like it's really hard to watch him it's like you know I don't care if you're watching the Ohio State game he's talking about Alabama if you're watching the Alabama game he's talking about Ohio State it's not just on high you know Ohio State games it's whatever the biggest game is he's just he's always spinning always spinning the, a different storyline just and instead of just calling the game that we love so much um Interesting you bring up that point because you're not the first person to mention that as far as like with him calling games and as far as saying, well, he's looking ahead to the playoff or looking ahead to talk about another opponent. It may literally be the next game he's calling where he's like, well, this X, Y, and Z about that opponent, well, that team, here's what we got to watch out for for them next week. Like, you're not the only person to say that. I watched a game this year. Bob was choosing Dan Orlovsky called the game from, I think, Bristol in the studio. Mm -hmm. And the entire time, entire time oh. they're spending – maybe 80% of their time talking about the playoff. You're not even talking about a playoff team that you're, that you're calling the game for. You're talking about a playoff. Yep. The opening remarks about the playoff. He remarks after a third and third and sixth conversion where the running back gets the ball, a draw to draw the defense off, draw the defense off eight yards, bam, first down. Instead of talking about the phenomenal play call or the running back or the yep. blocking or the missed tackle by the middle linebacker who didn't, who tackled with his arms, not with his body, all of a sudden you're saying, oh, well, the playoff. Like, and you're not the only person. I actually listened to a podcast, the Cover 3 podcast, yep. and I want to say Tom Fernelli mentioned and said, it was either Tom Fernelli or Bud Elliott. They mentioned saying ESPN has to stop talking about the playoff and, and the putting Heisman emphasis race. on the playoff and the Heisman race. Because you do those two things, Brains like ours, we get warped into talking about what we hear all the time. Thank and so you. that's all the talking points, not just there, but even on your local sports talk radio shows, it's playoff, playoff, playoff. Instead of talking about that third down, that fourth down, or, yep. wow, Justin Fields made this amazing pass on second and eight to move the chains. All we're talking about is the playoff. And it's not just Herb Street. I think it's an ESPN oh, no, no, thing. Not at all. They do have their money in the playoff. They don't own it. I thought they owned it for a second. The conferences own the own the playoff, but ESPN has their money in there. And I think if it was like an ES like a Super Bowl thing where it's a rotation where it was Fox and ESPN, Fox and ESPN, or maybe CBS dabbled as far as broadcasting the playoff games, I think you may see ESPN turn their tune and say, no, let's get back to the games. Because yep. these fans, they're watching the game to hear about the game, not to hear about the playoff that a lot of people don't even like. Yeah. Yeah, you know, uh, you nailed it, man. Everything you just said. I think we probably watched that same game. There's been a couple games this year to where, like, I'm just losing my mind because I'm like, there's a, you know, see, so my theory on my theory on football is this is why I do the NFL podcasting, the analyzing and all this, is that it's not just every game is its own, you know, is its own life form. It's every play. It's it's literally every every play. Like, if you talk to an offensive lineman, um, every play is a different game like it's it's one game at a time 60 to 70 times a game and when these analysts just like talk over it and skip all that to me they're not doing justice for what the players are doing out there you may miss a great 
you know, you know, you may have a will linebacker, you know, shed a block and make a great tackle in the backfield. And, you know, say there's a say there's a 10 year old Jeff watching that was watching Chris Spielman back then. And they just talk over that. And all I'm hearing is like, who's going to win the Heisman? You know, they you know, it's not their duty to teach the game, but I, I wish they would more instead of instead of the storylines. And, and there you go. You summed it up in a nutshell, man. That's kind of my problem with it. I like to if I could, I would watch a game and, you know, the all 22, you know, with the sound off and just watch the game for myself. And uh, but yeah, it do, it really does bother me, and I complain about that a lot. Um, I understand that's their job, and that's what they get paid to do. But you nailed it. Everything you just said was right on, and I, I totally concur. I think most of us football fans would concur. Guys, Jeff just made a comment saying that he would like to watch the game via the All Twenty Two. We're like the Sky Cam to most fans out yeah. there uh, with the with the with the broadcasting off. I'm right there with you. You give me the All Twenty Two, or even just like the regular GameCast. Sometimes I do turn down the audio. I haven't found a way to pump in the radio broadcast on top of the TV. But if I could find a way to do that, man, I'm right there because the radio guys, I like the extra detail that yep. they provide to the game. And the All-22, we talked about this previously, trying to analyze a safety or a corner or some of these, like, passing plays. You can't yep. analyze all these players. Nope. And you're you're my kind of nerd. You want to watch everything and know what everyone's doing at all times. Yeah, if you can't see the safeties, you're not watching the game. Like, uh, yeah, this year's the, – the most recent game we saw in the NFL was the Super Bowl. You go back and watch the All-22, and it really tells you the story of the game as opposed to, you know, when they're zoomed in on that quarterback and that offensive line, not that those guys aren't doing a great job, but there's a lot of times even that like, you know, well, you know, Jay, like an offensive guard is doing something because of what a safety or a cornerback or a linebacker is doing. And you get so, and, and we hear it so much, especially college football, because we're so passionate and we're so overreactive, which is what I love. I love college football fans. I don't care if they don't know anything about the game. I love their passion. But like we hear it so much, like, well, why don't they? Why don't Ohio State just do this, and why don't Ohio State just do that? And I'm like, well, you you have like because we can't see what's going on in the in, you know in the in the whole play. And when you see the all twenty two, you're like, oh, this is what Fields really saw, or this is what you know Trevor Lawrence really saw on that play, rather than just like zoomed in on the you know the ten guys on the line of scrimmage. Ohio State has had a string of coaches. Now, Luke Fickle is sprinkled in there literally for a year. Yeah. Um, but Ohio State's had a string. Yes, yes. Ohio State's had a, st a string of coaches where you have Ryan Day, who came right after Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer comes after Fickle due to Jim Trestle getting kicked out of town yeah. and getting on probation. But then you have Jim Trestle, who comes in, won the natty. Urban's won a, won a <laughs> national championship. Ryan Day has a talent. Now, I'm not going to try to profit, be a prophet or try to look into the future. But it's a really good chance Ohio State under Ryan Day could win a national championship off of talent alone. Now, you do have coaching, and there are different roles that are being, being added to the team as far as, like, ways to help and enhance that. But coming off the John Cooper era, Jim Trestle, I don't know if there's a better guy that could have been right there in that moment to say, ah, this is the guy that I want. Give me the phone call. Yeah, Ohio State, I'm there. Then Urban comes out of retirement, out of retirement from ESPN. <laughs> To go to to go to Columbus. Now he goes. He retired again. Now he's back coaching um, yeah. quarterbacks. When he gets a quarterback, man, I mean, he's he, he's all in. But what do you think about Trestle? When you think about Urban, when you think about Ryan Day, which coach would you prefer to play for? Oh, play for? Yes, sir. I'm a I'm I'm a Jim Trestle guy. Uh, 
And I just, I love the way, I just, I liked his uh, style of coach. And this is not a negative to either of the other two guys. Like, I wish I was good enough to play for a guy like Ryan Day to where, like, he's more of a, you know, X's and O's analytical guy. Um, I think he's probably, like, my guess is that someday he'll probably be an NFL offensive coordinator or head coach. Like, I don't, I don't feel that he's in the long haul for high state. And that's a compliment to Ryan Day. Like, that's just my guess. Um, Urban, uh, great guy, but he, you know, he's more of the CEO and let, and he hired really good guys. Like if you look at Urban's coaching staff, they're one of the, like, I think he had four or five assistants that would have been top 20 head coaching salaries. Like they make a lot of money at Ohio State. Brian Hartline right now, wide receiver coach, makes over a million dollars a year. Like, and he's, he deserves it. Like I, I shouldn't say he deserves it. He, he earns it. But, um, you know, that staff was crazy. But Trestle, the way – Trestle was more of a – he did more of the all-around, you know, coaching, more traditional. So I just think I personally would fare under Trestle better. And I just I just love the guy. He came along just, to, you know, at the right time or whatever. But um, but they all have they're – all, they're all really unique. I, I tell you, if anything, that's probably what's the craziest thing about this coaching, you know, carousel that we've had is that they're all very different. Mm-hmm. Urban, you know, Fickle is – Fickle's probably a, a little more like Trestle, uh, I would say, the way he runs his team. But then Urban's nothing like Trestle. Day is really not that much like Urban. You know, Day is, you know, like I say, he's more of an X's and O's coach. Uh, you know, the common bond is at Ohio State, it's the talent. Uh, so a lot of coaches are going to look really good. I mean, Jay, me and you could probably take over and win 10 games next year. I mean, I'm just being honest. Like, I'm, I'm not going to lie to anybody and act like we're out coaching every team that we go up against. Uh, the talent is a – and Urban was great at getting the talent in. I mean, the level of talent that came in after he took over, even Trestle didn't get. Uh, it's 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 really impressive. Urban, with the talent, when he was in Florida, he was what kind of shifted. You, you, and, I, you and I talked about Alabama and Ohio State as far as a national champ, though the Sugar Bowl um, semifinal game in the first year of the playoff, how Ohio State beating Alabama kind of shifted um, Nick Saban's brain. Oh, the absolutely. Same thing, same thing with Jim Trestle. When he lost to Urban Meyer in that national championship, just got destroyed. I mean, nothing you oh. can say. They got oh. destroyed. Yep. Well, you started to see the shift in the quarterback because Terrell Pryor Absolutely. is not like a Troy Smith. They're both really good quarterbacks, but Terrell Pryor is a different – one, he's taller, a lot taller, um, yeah. different skill different skill set, but they're both dual threat in a way. But Trestle started to find ways to shift his own coaching ability and his way he was going to call the game. Yeah. Speaking of Trestle, we've hinted at this a lot, but i got to go back to – that year when Ohio State won the national championship I'm, I'm under, do it. under Trestle. Like I said, I was a youngster. I was uh, my first time really fully understanding college football. And I can first memory that I can still have of that year of uh, what's college football in that Ohio State team, man. I fell in love with, with Maurice Claret. And you got me, you give me a freshman saying that I'm a young football player. This guy squatting, I think it was a five or six hundred pounds as a freshman in college. And he was built like a man at 18 years old. It's unfortunate that what happened after that, as yeah, far as really the courts, is. the court hearing, and all that stuff. But that year alone, I, I think about the Purdue game. Oh. Think about the Fiesta Bowl. Whatever way you want to go, Jeff. What memories do you have from winning that national championship? Ending, might I add, ending Miami Hurricanes. And I know some of you Hurricane fans may be watching this. Ending that Hurricane run, and they haven't oh. been the same since. No, no, it, it was great. Uh, yeah, the biggest, the I, I can, so like I can take kind of chronologically real quick. 
I remember being like, okay, we should be good this year, you know, whatever. N nobody was – it wasn't it, – it's hard to explain. We were actually out and about for the first game, and I want to say it was maybe San Diego State. I can't quite remember the first game of the year. And I think, you know, Claret goes off, and everybody's like, who is this? Because at this point in time, you really didn't watch the mm -mm. freshman coming in. Mm -mm. And and a lot of – and Ohio State's one of those teams. Alabama's one of them, Ohio State. Like, the, the, the really huge programs – a lot of these kids that come in have have been committed for years, so there's not the buildup of them coming in. So Claret was one of those guys. Like when he came in, yeah, he's one of the best players in the state, but he was already committed, no big deal. And then uh, you know he goes off in one of those games. We're like, okay, okay, we're on to something here. And then they had a couple big victories, and then it was like, oh, you know, we're on to something. Like this this team's pretty good because we're coming off a Michigan win. That that was huge the year before. You know, with Krenzel's quarterback. And then, of course, you talk about the Purdue, Purdue game, and that was it. That was the, you know, the uh, fourth and – I think it was fourth and one. Or mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. he throws the uh, – uh, Krenzel throws the, you know, under duress, throws the touchdown pass to Michael Jenkins. You know, they they win the game to keep their undefeated season alive. They had an, they had an overtime game that year. I want to say it was against Illinois, mm -hmm. um, you know, mm -hmm. to keep that season alive. Like, it was just magical run. You know, there was no playoffs back then. So – they were, actually, um, they played – that was one of the first years they, they were allowed to play a 13-game season. So, Ohio State was 13-0 and going into the Miami, you know, the, the BCS National Championship game. And that Miami team, like, you can't underestimate how great they were. That is still one of the greatest, te greatest teams ever in college football that Ohio State beat that night. Uh, so, and, and then they play this just – the what changed that game – was when everybody walked into the stadium and it was 75% scarlet mm -hmm. and the fans were going nuts. And what people had, they hadn't seen this because Ohio State hadn't been in the national championship picture for a few years. So when everybody saw that, they're like, oh, this is different. And then it just, it just you can't explain. It's one of the greatest games ever played. Uh, Craig Krenzel was the leading rusher, for goodness sakes. You had – I forget how many NFL players came out of that game. I think it's like 20. Like, it's some astronomical number. Uh, you know, Ohio State had one of these teams where they had, like, Mike Doss stayed. Like, I'm, Mike Doss could have, you know, could have went pro easy after his junior year. He stayed one of the best safeties in college football history. Everything came together. Chris Gamble, the two-way player, played 90% of all the plays in that game. Uh, Chris Gamble was the reason that season existed. Mm -hmm. um, without him, like, I, I don't know if they could have held it together. They needed him to play cornerback, and he wound up being an NFL cornerback for 10 years after that. But he was actually a starting wide receiver. They just had a lot of veteran guys. It, it, it's still like – that is still the most amazing victory that I've ever sat through. And we've seen some good ones. I mean, this year's Clemson game was fun. You know, the 2015 national championship. I mean, we go on and on. Like, Ohio State, like, once again, we're spoiled, I understand. But that 02 national championship, there's just nothing like it. There was just nothing like it. Dude, that 02 Miami team. Ken oh. Dorsey, I think he only <laughs> had, like, what, two or three losses his entire career. Yeah. He was a three-year starter. Um, they had Willis McGahee. I want to say they uh, – I, I want to say – no, Frank Gore, I think, was older than them. But I know Willis would get – Clinton Portis. Yeah. So, Frank Gore was on the team, but he was out for injury. Okay, so he so, was on the team. Because they famously said um, – when they were talking about Maurice Claret, they were asking Miami, like, what are you going to do about Maurice Claret? And the Miami players – I can't remember who said it – goes, 
we have a we have a better running back than Maurice Claret on our scout team, and that was Frank Gore. Curtis <laughs> left the year before, so it was McGehee. It was Walter Payton's boy, um, Jared Payton. Jared Payton. Jared Payton was the backup, and then Frank Gore was not. He was a uh, injury, uh, like a red shirt or a gray shirt or or not a gray shirt, but whatever it would have been then. But he was on the team. Uh, Sean Taylor was still on that team. Uh, Kellen Winslow Jr. was still on that team. Um, oh my, it just goes on and on. Um, Dude, my guy from that team there, I'm looking at the roster of some of the guys there. <laughs> yeah. I loved me some Roscoe Parrish. Roscoe and Parrish I think, had, I the think, biggest, had the biggest play of the game. Dude, I think Keith Jackson, every time he said it was either Keith or Musburger, one of the two, every time they had Roscoe Parrish, when they said his name, they emphasized um, Roscoe, the emphasis on the syllables yeah. there within Rock, uh, Roscoe Parrish. I loved it, dude. I mean, that, those are like the times when I'm like, as a kid, like, yeah, give me more. Give me more. And there was a time, Jeff, that when I was a youngster, and Britt Musburger kind of took over as a lead play-by-play -play man. I thought Britt Musburger was Keith Jackson because it was an old, like, grandpa-style voice. Yeah. Their cadence was different, but I thought that you are looking live with Keith Jackson. I go back and watch games from the 80s. Keith Jackson is nowhere near Britt Musburger, <laughs> but I, I didn't know any better. I just thought, I'm just going to say it, an older white guy that was a little yeah, bit bigger. I, I was like, I, oh, that, they're the same guy. They're not. They're not the same guy at all. Yeah, because for the longest time, it was Jackson and uh, Dan Fouts. Mm -hmm. And they did – that was Jackson and Dan Fouts that game because Dan Fouts is clearly rooting for Miami in that game. He was so upset that game. Uh, and then, uh, you know, a few years later, they got to call – I think it might be Jackson's last game when they called the uh, 07 – or no, the 05 National Championship. Uh, it was his last game. Yeah, I think it that was. was his last game. But, see, that's what I grew up on. That, that's just what's in my ears when I hear college football. So that that added to the game. And it was and uh, Keith called a lot of Ohio State games over the years, which was crazy because he was a West Coast guy. I grew up thinking that Keith Jackson was a Big Ten, like entrenched. No, he was a West Coast guy, but he just happened to get the Ohio State games. Man, there's just everything about that game was amazing. We can argue about the pass interference all you want because if you go back a few plays, there was interference on Ohio State. Like, it goes on and on. Roscoe Parrish had the that punt return changed the game, and that game was over. Uh, just just amazing. And it, and then it just, like, for the first time, we were like, like, we believed. And then it, we've just been a you know juggernaut ever since. We've lost. I mean, that's what people forget. We've lost three national championship games in 20 years. I know that hurts. But that's the, your team's not bad if you're losing national championship games. We've lost three national championship games since then, uh, and won another one. So it, we're not we're not bad. <laughs> <laughs> not bad. Well, we got to do have to turn it to a little sour note. Of late, I know you have some more history of like bad losses, losing to Purdue, losing yeah, to Iowa. Those are one that I will never understand, and for years and years and years to come. Michigan State, you're up the entire game. You have the best running back in college football. You're not giving him the ball? I, I don't understand it. Then people knock him. Oh, Ezekiel Elliott's selfish. Well, excuse me. If you were as good as Ezekiel Elliott and you know how good your team is, know how much better you are than Michigan State, you probably would say something as well yep. as far as like, hey, um, I, I need the ball. Like, I don't want to be selfish like a wide receiver-esque guy, but I'm going to be right now. Um, I need the ball. Y'all want to win? Y'all want to get behind me and win the games? Give me the ball. And right now, the coaching didn't fit our team. What yeah. losses stick out in your entire Ooh. life of being a fan? Whew. That, that's a bad one. The other, the 98 Michigan State, when we had the best team in the country, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and uh, Nick Saban and Michigan State came in and won. I think Plaxico Burris was on that team. Uh, that one stung because that one just like totally deflated. There, there's a weird one in there, Jay. It's really odd because we were coming off, you know, we won the national championship. 
And then all of a sudden, it's hard to believe we won the national championship. And then for the next like four years, we kept like losing, you know, the big bowl games. Like, because uh, uh, one thing that hardly anybody remembers is 03 season. If we beat Michigan, we go back to the national championship for to chance at back to back. That is completely erased from history now. Uh, I don't know. It just never stands out. That that was a that was a bad one. And so then we went on this string of like, oh, you can't beat the fast teams. You can't beat. You're just you're not. It was just this whole speed thing. And then you know that we had the Florida debacle, and they ran all over. It's like, oh, Ohio State will never be fast enough. So then it was the um, the uh, Fiesta Bowl versus Texas. Uh, Colt McCoy's yes, maybe his sophomore year. And uh, he beats us on a slant, you know, with hardly, I think, maybe 20 seconds. Anderson Russell takes, for whatever reason, takes the <laughs> takes the outside uh, route to the ball. The guy catches it, you know, scores a touch. For whatever reason, that is one of the ones that stings, like, more than anything. And it's a meaningless game. Uh, Beanie Wells was out for that game uh, for a concussion his junior year. Everybody said he quit because of the NFL draft it doesn't matter he wasn't in we couldn't get the fourth and one which would have ended it for some reason that game really just it's still to this day eats at me uh and of course those those like you named the mistake losses that you can't explain the Purdue was like what's happening here uh there's a Penn State game to where we were on like third string quarterback it was Terrell Pryor's uh either sophomore or junior year I think uh, probably his junior year. I think it was the only loss that year to where you're like, I think it was McGloin, probably Matt McGloin. But but as like a freshman, uh, those sting. The famous block field goal uh, that might have cost us a shot at the national championship, you know, that year. It, it just, but uh, man, there's a few of them in there. But that Texas game, I, I have to this day, I don't know why it burns me so bad. But I think it was just because everybody's like, see, we told you Ohio State's terrible. They'll never be good again. But the flip side of that is the 2015 national championship game erased, or actually the Alabama game combined with the, you know, 2015 national championship erased so many of those bad feelings. But uh, yeah, it's crazy because that's why I said we don't lose a lot of games, so you can remember them. Like you're, and we're always the better team. That's what the, we talked about. This the Alabama game is one of the few games ever that I'm like, now nah, we weren't the better team, and I can live with that one. But that doesn't happen to Ohio State very often. We're like, we're just generally the better team. Generally, that is that's true. That's the case. People yeah. don't like it, but I mean, it is what it is. Um, Jeff, before we close, I'm gonna I'm gonna just rattle off some names of players. Okay, and I want you to just in a sentence or two or just quickly uh, say what comes to your mind when you hear their their name. You okay. mentioned one earlier. I like this guy. I like him so much. He I, he may come on a show that I do sometime. I haven't reached out to him yet. But I want to try my best. Mike Doss. Oh, yeah, just absolutely one of the best leaders, one of the best players, one of the best college football players of all time. Absolutely one of the best Buckeyes of all time. A, a true warrior. Would have been a would have been a fine NFL player if he doesn't get hurt. Well, you, you probably remember. Yeah. He doesn't get hurt early on. Um, just smart. Uh, everybody looked to him on the team. Just a, a true all-around, an absolute great Hall of Fame college football player. David Boston. <laughs> David's a weird one for me. <laughs> <laughs> had a really great career, and obviously I'll never like I can't thank him enough for the Rose Bowl victory and the and the walk and all that. Um, yeah, tr good. And, and I I can't lie, his his weird NFL career and the steroids and all that really kind of skews my view of him. But at that time, uh, yeah, really enjoyable to watch and and a and a great college receiver.
didn't he get up to like 260 as a receiver? Oh, he was he was uh, he was huge, man. He looked like the Hulk. Uh, things got really weird for David, but uh, but that but that touchdown was great. Like I, and that was another game to where like we will never win this game. And we when we won the Rose Bowl, uh, you know, with that pass, just uh, it was. And they, actually, that was one of the original pick plays. If you watch, I mean, not a pick, a rub play. Um, <laughs> you know, that's all it was—a little flat catch, but just a, a great moment. So yeah, I thank David for that. You mentioned the name Hawk. This player's last name is Hawk, A.J. Hawk. I uh, love him. I loved all his – we called him the Meatheads. That's what we nicknamed him here. That was him, Schlegel, and uh, Bobby Carpenter. A.J. Hawk was a, a true inside linebacker, and that was back when you could still play traditional inside linebacker. I'll never – you know, his greatest game was against Brady Quinn in the Fiesta Bowl when Brady – when he was – dating at the time Brady Quinn's sister who are, they're now married so uh no AJ Hawk super smart football player um just did so many things right fundamentally sound guy and had, he had a nice NFL career and now he does a lot you know with Ohio State as far as you know radio shows and stuff so like he's I, I believe he's still I think believe he lives in the state of Ohio but if not he does a lot of work out of it so yeah yeah big big fan of him and the meatheads man Daniel Boom Heron Loved it. Uh, he's actually one of my favorite players of all time. That guy showed up for every game he played in. It's hard, like, even when he didn't start or was platooning, like, for his size, like, he wasn't a huge guy, and he just had a way about him. He ran tough and he ran hard. But, man, he made big plays against Michigan. He made big plays in bowl games. Um, and and he had great nickname. I carried himself well. He's one of my son's favorite players. So, like, a lot of these guys are when I was raising my son. So, that was his favorite players when he was growing up in the, you know, in the, in the late 90s. So, uh, really have a big place in my heart for Boom Heron. And I wish he would have – I wish he'd had a little better NFL career just because, you know, I, I would like to see it. But, you know, that, that doesn't matter. Uh, great player. Great nickname. Great player. Let's go more recent years because there okay. may be some youngsters listening to this. How about the name Chase Young? Oh, yeah, yeah. Love Chase Young. Um, now, you know what? So there's a weird one. So I did my podcast. I started my football podcast, Chase Young's junior year, his last year there. And I was actually a little hard on Chase Young. Um, I was wrong. You know, everybody told me, like, oh, no, he's the greatest thing ever. He's this. And I'm like, no. I was like, he's on a really talented team. The Big Ten's not great. Like, he's not as good as Joey. He's not as good as Nick. I thought Nick Bosa was the best defensive lineman from Ohio State that I'd seen. I was disappointed when he, you know, s stopped playing after the yeah, TCU yeah. game. And, um, and, and, and but, I mean, not that I didn't like Chase. I just thought it was like – I I thought he was kind of a one-trick pony. I didn't love it when he got in a – I shouldn't say he got in trouble, but he got suspended for a few games. And I was kind of down on him. Uh, you know, he disappeared in a couple of the big games. But I was totally wrong about him. I see him now in the NFL, and I'm like, no, everybody was right. I was wrong. He's a great player. Uh, you know, he won a couple games single-handedly last year. Like, Wisconsin's Wisconsin. the game that comes to mind. Yeah. I never thought he was bad. I just thought everybody was over overvaluing him. And then now that I watch him, I was completely wrong about Chase Young. So, if anything, I, I owe him a – I've publicly apologized to him several times since then. Oh, the, the, the one just, that was on my head, I just forgot it. So, I'll go to another one. Let's go Braxton Miller. I haven't heard his name the entire time. So here's the thing about Braxton Miller. We can talk about how great he was in college and everything he did. He had to switch to receiver because of the injury and all that. But here's what I remember about Braxton Miller. This is a true freshman coming into Ohio State. He comes in. Jim Trestle loses his job. Terrell Pryor gets kicked out of the school. Um, you know, that was when they lost Terrell Pryor. They lost, the, uh, shoot, the uh, starting running back, Heron. They mm -hmm. lost um, Posey. 
Posey. Javier Posey, yeah. So Braxton Miller gets thrown into the starting job with Luke Fickle gets thrown into a head coach. And, you know, Braxton Miller's a kid. You know, he's learning the game. And uh, he has to basically take one for the team. And he did everything he could do that year. He had the great play against uh, Wisconsin to win the game. He had a couple of really bad losses, but he took a beating. But he was a true, true player. And then, you know, that was awesome. Then Urban comes in, and this kid gets to win his next, what would they go in, like maybe 18 or 19 in a row mm -hmm. or whatever the mm -hmm. number was. So he really had to val validate his career. You know, he had a bad injury, came back, was a pretty good receiver. So he still, you know, had, had another year as a receiver, uh, which was good. But I've just always been very, uh, very appreciative you know, of, of what he did that freshman year because that was a lot to ask for a kid. And that, that's been the, you know, the worst record year of Ohio State in the last, you know, 15 years or whatever. But uh, always, always really appreciative, man. He really took a, he really took one for the team. One more. He played quarterback this year, war number one. Got to <laughs> end with my guy, Justin. Well, I say I'm hard on him, just like you are. I'm very hard on him because I know how good he can be. Yes. Um, but Justin Fields, Jeff. I, I I, I love the guy. Um, that's one of that's the first huge transfer we've had coming in a while. I mean, I, we've had you know several over the years do good, but I mean, Justin Fields, you're talking that's the highest, maybe the highest rated. I, just, I mean, you know, Terrell Pryor was really highly ranked coming out of Pennsylvania, but Justin Fields was a different animal. We never got a quarterback like that. Like, this is a guy that would typically go to you know, USC or Georgia or Alabama, and then we get him, and then not only is he great, he's better. He's better than we thought he could be. Um, you know, I'm, I'm like you. Yeah, I'm critical be, because of his talent level. But um, what I'll remember is how he played in, well, I mean, basically every game. I mean, the, the kid lost two games. That's, you know, two. two. He lost two playoff games. That's it. it um, but uh, but what he did this year, of, of it was such an odd year for Ohio State. Like last year was amazing. His efficiency, everything mm -hmm. he did was amazing. But what he did this year of holding this team together, um, you know, he never knew who his offensive line was going to be week to week. He never knew if his receiving core was going to be there. And there was something about him that held it together. I don't know if if he got quite enough credit for that, or maybe I give him too much. I don't know. And then, of course, the way he played in the Clemson game, even after the, the I won't say injury, but after he got banged up. Um, I, th I think that's an historic game in Ohio State history, what, what he did in that Clemson game. And, you know, he fought for the season. We don't, I mean, I don't want to, overblow it but we don't know if there's a big 10 season without justin fields if he doesn't speak up the way he did there might have been but he still put his neck you know put his you know neck on the line and spoke up and wanted to play and then he then he then he backed it up uh so yeah i got i got nothing bad to say about justin and that clemson game is just in a, it's one of the most historic games that it's it's a high it's a high state legend is what it is people talk all about Joe Burrow, I think it was against LSU. No, against Texas, I think, um, his senior year. Yep. He had a couple games where it was like early in the year where it's like, oh, this guy's good. Oh, he's really good. Then he went on a crazy run. What we saw from Justin Fields is that game. In that game, I don't think there's a game that Joe Burrow had or any quarterback mm -hmm. recently. I mean, maybe go back to Johnny Manziel, but Johnny Manziel's not the quarterback that Fields is. Manziel's more of a runner, scrambler. Oh, improvise. I run around for 5,000 5, seconds and throw the ball up, yeah. hoping Mike Evans catches the ball. That's kind of <laughs> that's kind of the way that it was. Yeah, no, but Justin right. Fields was talented. He could run. He can pass. I know early in the year, it seemed like they were trying to, they were trying to hold him back, keep yep. his body in, play, in one piece. As soon as they said play football, the way you play football, he couldn't be stopped. Jeff Amazing. Hunt, this has been fun, man. Let fans, let fans talk with Jay Stevens. 
episode two, looking to make it more consistent here. Um, before we go, Jeff, once again, at the top of the show, got to do it at the end as well. Let everyone know where they can connect with you via social media and check out some of your work as well. Yeah, the easiest thing, go to offtheballnetwork.com. You know, so, you know, I'm, you know, you'll see me there. You'll see the rest of the guys there. You know, I'm on Twitter, very active on Twitter. I love interacting with the fans. I love taking questions. I love taking opinions. That's the, my biggest thing about Jeff Needs Sports is I, I see other people's opinions. I don't try to give you an opinion. So you can go to at uh, jhunt006 on Twitter. Or, of course, go to Facebook. Just search Jeff Needs Sports or Jeff Hunt. Um, interact, you know, say hi or whatever. I, I really enjoy it. And I like the feedback. It, I always tell Jay, it feeds our show. Like I'll text Jay through the week and ask him questions and that feeds my show for the next week and kind of bounce things off people. So, and, uh, you know, one, you know, you can't, you can't give Jay enough love, man. This is the, this is one of the best shows uh, to be on. And I enjoy it every time. It's an honor every time, Jay. My guy, Jeff, but uh, guys, I know it's not on Facebook, but if you're on Twitter, follow me on Twitter at jstevens07. Um, look at do this again here very, very soon. Got a couple ideas of guests to bring on, a couple teams or uh, cities, sports cities to talk about. But guys, this is always fun to come live on Facebook and just chop it up and have a fan talk about and just go uh, have a space to talk about their fandom with whatever team that they love.